What's up, y'all? My name is Min. My name is Tammy. This is The, the Lightning, Lightning Rod. Welcome back to another episode of The Lightning Rod. Today we have Aries and a co-host, Sheena. Uh, we're going to start off with Aries. Can you introduce yourself to the audience so they know who we're talking to today? Uh, how's it going, everybody? My name is Jamil Aries Purnell, uh, CEO and Creative Director of Purnell Films and Media and Content Director for LVRN. When I was about 13, well, first off, I've always I've always loved television. Like, I used to get in trouble when I was little for watching TV before my homework and everything was finished. Don't we all go? Look, look <laughs> I was trying to tell them, look, there's a greater purpose to this. Forget that math and that science, science and stuff. <laughs> like, I need to be watching TV, the purpose. So when I was 13, um, I had either the opportunity to go to Cancun with my friends on spring break or go work with my uncle Paxton, who was at the time CEO of BET and Centric on a show called Lyric Cafe. Um, at the time it was hosted by Malcolm Jamal Warner. And um, that was just my first experience on set. And it, it was eye opening. Like it just really changed my life and to see how things were put together and everything that went into something that I could then go home, turn on my TV and watch myself. Something about that was just kind of cool and I wanted to be involved in making what I saw on TV. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, did you know this is something you wanted to do or just kind of that one trip really set it all for you? It was kind of that. You know, at 13, you're a kid. Yeah. Like I was making beats and doing all kinds <laughs> of other stuff at the time, like probably getting in trouble. So yeah. and. I actually think, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't really my choice. I think I had gotten in trouble, so I wasn't, like, allowed to leave for uh -huh. spring break. <laughs> so it was like, ah, you got to go work with your uncle. And it was like, ha, punishment backfired. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that was, that was the start so did of you, everything. But did you always want to be on the content, like, creation side of things? Or did you did you ever see yourself being an actor? Uh, I have acted a bit. Actually. Oh, you have? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Can you um, share? Nope. We're not. <laughs> no, y'all are not about to be pulling no. up. Nope. No YouTube nope. sagas? Nope. Mm -mm. YouTube wasn't there at the time. Oh, yeah, no, definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. There definitely like a certain. We're not that old. <laughs> there are definitely like a couple movies or TV shows that still come on that my friends will text now me. Hey, bro, out. guess what's on? Like, ah! <laughs> if anything, they'll be on BET, I'm thinking. I mean, IMDb is a real thing. That's, That's true. all I'm saying. We'll I'm not going to say it. nothing, but you, <laughs> the freaking internet. So man. they can find it on their own then. Yeah, yeah. It's on the internet. It's there for life. It's definitely, unfortunately, on the internet. <laughs> so after like that um, that period of working there, what did you do after that? So after that TV show, that show? Um, after that, I kind of tried to go back to normal preteen teenager life. <laughs> um, just back at school and, you know sports hanging out with friends and so like from that time on you just didn't do anything like related at all oh no i did i started getting into it more like um after that i believe the next thing that they were doing was bet hip-hop awards it was like the inaugural the first time they were doing the bet hip-hop awards mm -hmm. and of course wanted to bring it to atlanta since the regular bet right. awards was centered in los angeles mm -hmm. so of course moved from their cafe my uncle and then come down, hey, we're doing the hip hop awards. Do you want to work? You have experience now. Mm -hmm. 
of course. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's like going from being 13, working with like Jamal, Ma- Malcolm Jamal Warner, Sleepy Brown, India Ivory, Music Soul Child, to being like 14, 15, working with all of my favorite yeah. rappers and people yeah. in the hip hop mm-hmm. industry. So it was like, what do you mean? I'm there. Like, <laughs> what? And I got front row tickets to oh, the show yeah. after yeah. working. Like, yeah, no, I was, I was in there like yeah. 21. And were those positions like paid or like it was? They were paid. Um, they were know. they were PA positions. So right. like, thankfully, my uncle wasn't because he knew as now you guys know, PAing <laughs> yeah. is no joke. Yeah, like it's it's real work. You work the entire time you're there, and you're always there for more than like fifteen hours. hours. Yeah, like twelve yeah. to say twelve is a lie because they give you an hour for lunch, which isn't accounted into that twelve. So it's always a minimum of thirteen. Yeah, but. So, yeah, and it's, it's always overtime. Yeah, if you don't mind, like, can you both, like, kind of chime in into this? Um, like, what is PA work and what does that entail? Just because the audience may not know that kind of stuff. And just, yeah, I mean, I, the, he definitely the, what knows we can, more. What we can say. Yeah, I was like, he definitely knows more about that than me. I've only been a PA a few times now on, right. on one show. I, I don't even know. I guess I'm allowed to say I'm, yeah, not, I'm, well, I'm not even going to shout them the out job. because I don't like them that much. <laughs> so I've only been a PA a couple times. Um, and for me, it entailed like, you know, cutting the script or simple things like watching the briefing door and mm-hmm. someone briefing like the, you know, the, I guess the host, I don't want to say too much without giving it away, yeah, right. but while they're, you know, briefing the host and letting them know what the situation is and you have, it's, it's not the hardest, hardest, maybe my, the show that I'm working on, it's not the hardest work physically, but it's just definitely a lot of work as far as a lot of moving around. You might be helping with like set production. You might be like taping something on labels and making sure it doesn't show up on the screen or you might be doing something as simple as just making sure the snack tables are good but there's already rant there's so many random things that go into it like if they need something you might have to run to the store and go grab it for them like yep. you even set you set up for lunch you set you take it down for lunch so it's, it's you you're the cafeteria man <laughs> you're the cleaners so it seems the- like it's almost what they portray in terms of movies this is. is exactly what you it literally is. do anything they want anything they want you do pa it. stands for production assistant. assistant so you are literally there to assist the production anything in any way possible yeah right and <laughs> a lot of times like you're lucky if you're on a crew because they're supposed to have a minimum of three pas oh, yeah. on certain jobs like mm-hmm. anything that's union is supposed to be a minimum of three pas because mm-hmm. they know any less than that you're gonna pass out okay. <laughs> a mean, lot of yeah. shows they'll have just like two and yeah. yeah one will be designated to run and get coffee and get snacks or drinks sometimes you may just literally have to stand and lock up an area mm. which literally means stand, stand there, there do yeah. not move <laughs> make sure no one crosses you like yeah. you're a wall you're and you better wall. hope they take you serious because they're like um I just think it's PA. <laughs> <laughs> so is there any anything like horrendous that you could share about being a pa Outside of oh, whatever we just listed. <laughs> oh, there's plenty. Should we ask for the good stories instead? There's so many horror stories. On a couple we can of reality go into both. shows. Yeah, we can go into both. Like on a couple of reality shows that shall not be named because they're still in production. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was a thing that, like, it's a known thing that that show sends PAs to the hospital what? for exhaustion and just, like, overworking. They'll literally be on set for 21 hours have to try to drive an hour home, get oh, wow. a little bit of sleep, a little bit of food, turn right back around and be back on set. Like, yeah, no, it's it's not glorious. At so all. those type of set days that are so long, do they even allow you any time to take a nap? 
<laughs> on set? Like, I mean, like, like while is you're there working? no, like, break? Is there no, is there not more than one hour, like, besides the one hour lunch break, did they not allow you more than one hour, like, a dinner break or anything like that where you could maybe... So you get, sometimes, depending on how long the shoot day is, like, if it's a 15 or longer day, 15 hour or longer day, you will get an hour for lunch and an hour for dinner. Yeah, but that's but still not enough to sleep. <laughs> right, and yeah. it's in shifts. So yeah, it's like, that's true. You don't even get to eat with your people. Yeah, it's random. <laughs> like, that's why you, you, like, you go eat. on break, and then yeah. you come back, like, your turn to go on break. And oh, it's just yeah. like, you're just like, you might as well be eating lunch in, like, the bathroom stall by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that. Jeez. Oh, yeah. It can be. It's not always And it's, and it's not healthy food. Like, a lot of times, sometimes if you have a crew of people from L.A., eh, the health Maybe. conscious people, they have, like, the vegan <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the vegetables, but other mm-hmm. than that, nah, big hot Cheetos and Fritos and it is. candy and it's always it's always wow. chips and like, soda. Yep, because I mean it, you're it, on set for 15 yeah. hours, 16, 17 hours yeah. a day. They don't want you falling asleep. They're yeah. packing you with sugar, so it's like yeah, yeah it's a very yeah. unhealthy lifestyle. Hey, <laughs> what a tough, tough industry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very you don't you don't want to be a PA for long. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so just like from both experiences as well, so like. Getting into PA, is that something you think knowing somebody would be a lot easier or for someone like on the regular? Oh, definitely. Could be PA. No. <laughs> okay. You're not going to really have any luck or success in this industry without relationships. Yeah. Because that leads to my next question about <laughs> network. Um, how do you think your network really helped you um, with where you are currently? Well, my network is everything. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be where I am without my network of people. Yeah. Um, like when I first decided to split off and create Purnell Films and Media in November, or sorry, in September of 2017, um, it was relationships. Like I decided to do this because, so I love live music. I used to be a musician. Um, I love concerts, the lights, the content screens, the energy. Um, so I decided because, you know, there had been a lot of people taking photos at concerts. Mm-hmm. I didn't see very many people doing, like, video recaps of concerts. So I wanted to be the person to kind of start that. And the day after I decided that I wanted to do that, I called a friend of mine, um, Tunde Balagdan and Diamond Peoples. Um, I know them from middle school and high school. And Tunde is one of the presidents of LVRN Records. And Diamond is the like day-to-day manager for the artist Black 6LACK. Mm-hmm. And just so happened they were having a pop-up shop in Atlanta for his concert that was the following night. And I just hit him up and was like, look, I'm really, you know, I'm starting my own company of like showing behind the scenes and more video aspects. You know, I'd really like to start with you guys and you know like tag along the video the pop-up shop and the concert and they're like come on yeah but why do you think like there's no like there's not a lot of video out there is it because it's a little bit harder to do like quote unquote and it's easier to do photos or video is definitely a lot harder especially um, in the dark yeah oh, especially yeah. in the dark because concert photography videography concert anything you're not allowed to use a flash right mm-hmm. um it'll distract the artist on stage and it's, it's just I've seen some situations where it just goes bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, video production, if you're actually going to have a certain quality of video, you can't just have a camera. Mm-hmm. Like you actually have to have a stabilizer. 
you have to have a microphone, you have to have like drones, you have like there are certain things that you have to have to shoot and edit video to make it look cinematic, I should say, as opposed to pushing the button, shutter closes, you got photos. And do you have a team that works with you on this, or is this like a one? I do. Um, Purnell Films and Media isn't just me, it actually is a team. Um, young lady by the name of Simone Ariel works with me. She's one of our photographers and also training her with photo- uh, videography. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my very good friends that came up with me when I started in BET as well, Michael Kelly. Mm-hmm. He is one of our producers and he's like our head editor. Like, I can edit, but this guy, like, graphics, effects, animation, he's amazing. Um, I have another colleague named Tiago. He also has his own company called Two Real Studios. Um, you know, great camera work. He also does editing and good with audio. So it's not just me. Um, a lot of things that I do, and most times people do just see me, because of course, you know, when you build something, you have to start from the ground up. Mm-hmm. It has to be a front runner. Mm-hmm. Cornell is my last name. Yeah. So at the end of the day, my company rests on my shoulders. So for the most part, I am the face but I do outsource and hire other people for other jobs because I can only be one place at one time. Right. No, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, if I'm on tour or if I'm working another job and people need things done, luckily I do have a team that I can call in and they can go get those jobs done and I know it's going to be at the same quality as if I did it myself, right. which is very important. You can't have people look yeah. at some things and see one kind of quality and then oh, yeah, give them sure. work and it's something completely different. Like mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, that's one way to mess up those relationships we're talking yeah. about. And so for that, like that network that you met, so some of them are like your colleagues, some people that you've met in the past. Um, how would you describe, or not describe, how would how would you advise other people and other creatives to like really go out to meet those kind of people? Because I think a lot of people who talk to me about networking, they're really afraid. They're just like, like in a room of people and they just don't know how to talk. They don't want to talk to people. And they feel like if I don't walk out of here with at least one person, then... It's a, it's a blow. Like, just drink, right? <laughs> so look, I was That's what gonna, she does. See, she drinks. Look, I was, gonna, I was gonna say, am I allowed to say that? Because honestly, <laughs> no, um, yeah, we're that's how we met. Like, I told yeah, him, like, like literally, I was like, I'm sorry, Aries. Yeah. I had drink a little. I was like, I drink a little bit, yeah. but I just want to go ahead and throw that out there. Like, <laughs> it does make courage. it a little bit easier. Yeah. Just yes. don't get drunk, y'all. Just don't yeah. get drunk. Right. Yeah, so drinking and being drunk are different. Yeah. A little liquid courage goes a long way. <laughs> Because, yeah, no, I'm awkward in a room. Like, yeah, no, usually you've seen me in all black. I, where yeah. was I when you came to speak to me? Actually, in the, the corner. It's so, no, <laughs> it's, it's really funny because I initially saw him. I was looking for the parking for the event, and I saw you outside. And I was like, hey, is this the event for the, the Google thing? And he's just like, yeah, just park right here. And then and we, we were sitting down, um, we were sitting in the front rows, like right before yeah. the whole thing started. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we need to target that guy in the corner. Like, oh, I saw him get in the out. parking lot. I was like, I saw him in the parking lot. <laughs> you I'm didn't always, mention that. I'm always the guy in the corner until yeah. I have a couple drinks and then I'll venture out of my little corner. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. large groups of people are. Because I mean, like we saw everybody that was on like the main floor. So I saw Nikon, I saw like Juan, like everybody mm-hmm. there. But then I just happened to see we you. We did not see you at all until you walked in, like, like sat away down from it. And then I saw your your stuff on the wall. I was like, Sheena, can you go talk to him? Like he would be good. <laughs> yeah, Tammy will pin me out at these events. I gotta go. Because I don't, I don't like networking. I'm just not good at it. But I put together a team that can go do it for me. <laughs> Apparently, I'm good at it, but I don't like doing it. Yeah. But I do yeah. it. That's why even then, because even at that Porsche was like now. 
I had you come for a reason. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I'm just going to go sit in this corner. She's like, no! <laughs> nah, please! That's hilarious. So, but, so when she had you come, uh, was it mainly for the panel event then? It was like, to moderate the panel. Gotcha. Okay. So you yeah. just had, like, you just didn't plan on, like, having your work up? Or did she say, yeah, put I didn't okay. plan on it. Like, it was, it was last minute. Because, you know, Portia was like, so I need somebody that can speak to all points of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I feel like that's you can you come i was like okay yeah i can moderate and then she's like well after we put out that you were moderating i got a lot of messages um would you mind speaking and i was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, all right and then she's like well you know people are bringing you know their work you want to do that too it'd be awesome if you could bring some stuff and display oh, some so work. You know, people want to say, yeah I'm like, oh, okay <laughs> And then we get there the day. She's like, so shot by said also wasn't able to make it today. <laughs> so that fourth panel seat, you know, you can moderator oh and God. panelist. I was like, Portia. Literally started off as an invite. Right. I was like, yeah. Portia, you know and I don't you talk. want to just take over the whole event and make it yours. Yeah. That's right. the end of your name. Right. I was like, you know what, Portia, go, go, go give me one of them drinks. Okay, now it's going to media yeah. presentation. Right. Like, go give me one of the little bubbly things yeah. and let's do this. I think you did good, though. Yeah, like, you like, did. No one could tell that you were whatever. It no, just, never tell. I thought you did great. You, you did really well. You put that show on. Yeah. That's oh, cool though. In terms of networking and stuff like that, I think that's important. A lot of people are really afraid of networking. So they end up being like the person that sits in the back row mm-hmm. or like sits all the way in the corner in the front and like just talks to nobody. Mm-hmm. And then when we like have like our circle round table talk, like they come to me and they say like, Oh, well, I met nobody there really in a room of 50 people. You met nobody, like nobody at all. Like you just didn't talk or what was the case? So I think that's powerful to just tell people like, yes, your network matters. And like we were talking off the mic, how skill is one thing, but knowing people, that's another thing. And that's going to get you to places just like the PA work. Like if Mm -hmm. you didn't have the person to put you in place. Yeah, exactly. Um, And as far as like, cause the people that were there at that event, um, I noticed that like, we talked about this with Nikon Poppy last, last weekend. And uh, we know, we heard that you guys are typically the same events, like a lot of, a lot of the same events. So do you, do you feel inspired by any of those creatives that you work with or, or where do you get most of your inspiration from? Cause I know like some of them have mentioned where they'll piggyback off of each other, you know, like they like this and, and that, that'll kind of inspire them. Or do you do this, do you kind of do the same thing with Atlanta creatives or do you have your own separate inspiration? I feel I have something different to offer. So I focus on that. That's a great way to put it though, because a lot of people, I don't think they look like that. They don't think about it in that way. And I didn't think about it in that way until you just said something. So yeah, if you're not inspired by those people, then it kind of just put you put you in your own lane to where it makes sense. And now I'm and I think it becomes, like, in, in ways you become like replicas of them if you like look up to them exactly. way too much. I think it's a good way. Like we look up to different people Like we follow certain people on our Instagram, but it's not to like, let's model after them. Let's look at what yeah, they do. For example, yeah. when we were at the event, Juan ATL mentioned, um, you know, that people were kind of copying his uh, photography. And after I posted things from that panel and tagged you guys in, I got I got a couple followers of people that went on my page and liked some stuff. And I would go on their page and I noticed there was like one one photographer, he had like some of the same pictures as Quan and like same editing, same everything. And and I just was, yeah, I, I get what he was saying in that sense. Like you don't want to be too inspired to where it's just, it's imitation at that point, yeah. at that point. And it becomes recognizable because I've known Quan yeah. since high school, actually. Exactly. So yeah. I've seen his work 
as it progresses, like he was shitted on so bad by our um, art teacher. And then like now the work still looks the same. And then I see other people doing the same thing. I'm like, that shit has already been seen. Like, I don't right. know why it's, why do you have to copy? Like, and I don't get it. And that's when things get so muddy because people like Quan. Yeah. I love Quan. I love Quan. I love Nikon. Mm-hmm. Like, love those guys so much. And just like Quan said, he doesn't share his locations because he knows as soon as he does, photos popping up from right, right there. And he scouts those. Like, though, like that's special. He can look at a picture, and even though other people may think it's dope, may think it's beautiful, find things about it that touches them, he knows where that was, when it was, and that nobody else right. knows where that is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's special. Do you find yourself doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. With All with what the with what though besides like locations you kind of um, like con- the creative content and things like that. For me, I like to capture feelings, so I take a lot of photos that people would consider like scary, but most people don't even actually like ever see those yeah. because a lot of my stuff is for publication. So like, and that's that's another thing I want people to create for something more than Instagram. Mm-hmm. I find so many people like just running around shooting and spending their money and spending their time and like doing all this for likes. Like, bro, they're about to take likes off of Instagram. Yeah, I heard that. Like, yeah. they're, they're in that. Europe, they're already gone. That's why they're slowly yeah. doing like the whole algorithm thing is to yeah. ease into that. That's why you're seeing posts like later so that the likes go down, down. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're about to take your like count away. Like you can see it, but yeah. everybody else won't be able to. Oh. Like, it, that's how it already is in Europe. Like the European platform, were... no likes. They show your views. Okay, yes, yeah, so I, I saw that as far as like, the, like any type of video that you look at, it'll show views. You click on it, you can see the likes. That's why people are focusing more on posting videos than pictures. Yeah. And so even people IGTV. are posting like boomerangs and stuff. Yeah. It's like, I see. Ah, I knew yeah. that was happening because I, <laughs> I saw some articles on it, but I didn't know they already started that in Europe. That's interesting though. Yeah, do you they, think... It's um, like beta testing it over there. So do you think there's going to be a new platform coming out outside of Instagram that's going to be bigger? No, so they're no. just altering it. Yeah. Hmm. Because... <laughs> Remember we were talking about the whole depression thing yeah. with creatives. Now, mind you, you have somebody like like Quan, because you know Quan. Yeah. Um, take somebody like Quan, even myself, who works very, 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 very hard and like cares about what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like Quan said, photography saved his life. Mm-hmm. Content creation saved my life. Um, so you take somebody who literally does this for, like, because they need to because of the purity, because of the joy, because of what it brings to their life. And now it's being judged by thousands of people on social media platform whose opinions really don't matter. Mm-hmm. You don't even know these people. Mm-hmm. Never going to meet them. Never going to see them. But they're allowed to judge and throw their opinions on your work, not knowing what you had to do to get there or to create it or to go through just to create this. Right. Social media is part of the reason that our generation is the most depressed generation in the history of the world. Because everybody's trying to live up to somebody else or live up to what they think somebody else is living up to because of what they see in a photograph right. or in a video. 
So do you feel like them taking away the likes? On I want Instagram? them. I want them gone. <laughs> Take them away. Take them away. Like that's my like. I get in. To go back to Nikon, of course, we don't just do it for the money, but at the end of the day, I have bills to pay. Yeah. Like I decided to make this my life. I decided to create for life. So I do have bills to pay at the end of the day. So I like to get paid for my work just like anybody As else you does. you should, right? So I'm not, I don't work for Instagram. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. Now you put it I, in that perspective, that's a little bit I different. I can count maybe like 10 people, like Fadia Cater, that's the homie, like she works yeah. for Instagram. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't work for Instagram. Right. So I'm not doing all of this for so many likes. I could care less about the likes. If you like it, cool. If you don't, mm-hmm. that's also cool. Do you think, though, because um, this is only one of the reasons I could think about why they're doing this, besides from, like, either bullying or, you know, the effects that it has on society, do you, I kind of can see the benefit of just doing that in general from, like, a marketing standpoint, because, of course, nowadays, like, your brand is you, so them taking away the likes, now it's, like, a portfolio, and it looks so much cleaner that way, mm-hmm. where people can just look at your work and not judge it based off, well, I don't want to follow this person, I don't want to like this, because I know people, I know people have to do that, they'll look mm-hmm. at something and they might look at it, and they might think it's hot, and then they won't like it because it doesn't have that many likes. I've literally heard people say that they didn't want to like that they weren't going to like something because they didn't want somebody to have more likes than they did. Yeah, like so, I hear this conversation all the time. Yeah, and it's so dumb. So I think it's a great thing too because in that essence, it makes it so much more about your portfolio, yourself, who you are, what you're bringing to the table, and not about what other people think about you. Because then it's 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 so much worse because if I'm coming on your page and I'm already judging you, now I'm not even judging you by myself. I'm judging you based off how other people are judging you. Yep. Which just makes literally no freaking sense. And I can't, I'm not forming an opinion on you based off of my own feelings. I'm basing it off of what your page looks like, how many followers you have, how many people, even in conjunction to that, how many people are you following versus how many people are following you, how many, you know, likes are on this picture versus this photo, et cetera. And depending on what it's for, if you tag somebody in it, you tag Drake in it, that shit's getting 10,000 plus likes. You people know what forget I mean? you can buy likes. Yeah, exactly. And like, now people are buying views. Buying likes, so. buying views, buying followers. Mm-hmm. And I've seen create, or I've seen people, I've been in situations. Okay, I can tell the story. What up, <laughs> Wildy? So, me and Nikon, me and Wildy worked this job for Bevel, if you need to cut the company name out, you can. Um, for um, the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we, we did this. this. Jo- we did this job for Bevel for the Super Bowl. Nikon and I, and the rep hired him for one day, hired me for two days, and hired this other guy the day before mm-hmm. me or Nikon came on because they looked. They said, "Oh, send us your social media so we can see your work." Meaning, so we can see how many likes your stuff got. Um, of course this one person buys followers buys likes gets a job they get the photos and the video back can't use anything literally you mean the guy that was supposed to go on before you two yeah okay gotcha. can't use anything no me and wildy goats yeah like, our stuff got used like yeah. it's still up on their stuff now even though we had to uh, go after them to pay us <laughs> um yeah, we had to like oh, go man. at their accounting department because it had been like months and they hadn't paid us for work that they had been using. Does that happen a lot? All the time. All the time. All the time. So. 
people love to try to take advantage of young creatives because at the end of the day, we don't have a boss. We yeah. work for ourselves. They're like, oh, come do this job right now. It's a great opportunity. And then we'll handle the paperwork and get you the money. No, I don't do anything without a 50% deposit now. And you get your videos and photos with the Pernell Films and Media watermark right. all over that guy until the balance is paid. Yeah, like, I have to. Yeah, no, it's, this is still a business. And it's so crazy because most creatives create out of a passion, but you have to make your passion into a business. Right. And it's, 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 it's hard sometimes, but it's necessary. And I get mm -hmm. it too. So that's something that I'm teaching the team. Like we have a team of about five to six people and I'm teaching them like deposits, deposits, deposits. Without it, we do not start work. If we send work, it's all watermarked. You cannot remove the watermark because mm -hmm. they will, like I've had cases where They'll they took my- They'll crop it out. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. my, um, I did graphic design before I did this. It's like they would take like my logo and give it to another cheap designer. And then like, hey, can you copy this? And then suddenly like a week later, I'm like, hey, like, so- are we moving forward? Do you like it? Do you hate it? What can I fix? And they're like, oh, no, we're, we're deciding to not move forward with it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so I still had my watermark on everything, but apparently they just sent it to another designer who did it for, like, if I charge, like, I think 200 for that logo, they did it for, like, 50 bucks. And it then it, got, it yeah. got recreated. And um, I think it was, like, a low-quality version, like a JPEG. Mine are on, yeah. like, design files. Yeah. Um, and so they did a JPEG and then they came to me like a year later, like, oh, well, we can't get this on a t-shirt. It looks blurry. Like, I'm not working on that no more. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because people definitely try to undermine creatives every, every way they can. They'll, they'll try to sell you on, well, you'll get the exposure and you'll get, um, you'll get the recognition. But at the end of the day, exposure, recognition doesn't pay for bills, art supplies, anything. Yeah, like, exactly. It can't, it can't keep the wheel moving at the end of the day. And when I try to tell people, when people, uh, so once again, I had this conversation with Nikon, because like, that's, that's like my little brother, man. Shout out you, Wildy. Shout out Nikon, Poppy. It's my dog. It's that romance, because um, he mentioned he loved you too. Yeah, no, that's my guy. Because like, we've been through so much just together, and yeah. not even together. Like, yeah. we don't technically work together, but we're like-minded spirits. Like, I remember the day he called me to tell me that he was driving down 85 and saw one of his photos from the Creed listening experience as a billboard. Wow. He didn't tell y'all that story? No, he didn't. Ooh. He missed What? So like, Yo, now we have to text him. He's holding back. <laughs> now we have to text him. It's, it's stuff like that. Like, yeah. That creatives go through that people don't even know about. Yeah. Like you driving down, you see there are multiple billboards in the city of Atlanta because he sent somebody photos from the Creed listening event and had, his, had it watermarked in the corner, they cropped yes, it out. Yes. And now it's on multiple billboards in the city, wow, which costs tens of thousands of dollars. Yes. Yeah. So y'all can pay tens of thousands. Peachtree. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Tens yeah. of thousands of dollars, and you yeah. paid this man nothing for the use of his photos, which, mind you, he owns. Like, we, we talk, my young brother, yeah. straight. Like, he has a whole LLC. Yeah. So at the end of the day, anytime his shutter goes off, he owns his photos. Yeah. It's just like me. Steal my pics if you want. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just stuff like that that yeah, people don't even know about this. It's yeah. just crazy. So you you have to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, on that um, Super Bowl deal that you guys did, did you guys have a contract in place with them or anything? Mm -hmm. And they still they still break the mm -hmm. contract like. So is it us. easy? So one so even though they okay, so it happens all the time. We we get that part of it, but 
what about the I mean, what about the aftermath? Because that happens. Do you do you pursue legal action? And if you do, yes. do you usually win? Yes, always. Always. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's something that worries worries me as a creative is like, okay, even if I do spend all this money going back and trying to like, you know, win what's mine, is it gonna be worth it in the outcome? Am I spending way more money on the court and legal fees just to get back something that might only be worth two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars? But I'm I'm assuming you win more than that. I'm assuming you you win. Yeah. And you also get, you also win the legal fees. I should know because I'm working on a so, show. Yeah, so, you know, it's worth it. But also what it does is it let people, it lets people know that they can't take advantage yeah, of it. Like, don't fuck yeah. with me. Like, it's my work. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. I've I've had situations like, it was like, oh, yeah, no, we know. We got your money because we heard. We're going to come after. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yes. That's good yes, to know. So, so word gets out. Yeah. Can you also mm-hmm. talk about that? Like, what was that process like? Like, why did you go for the accounting like that? Or was there someone else that you could have reached out to? So just for people who like never done it before. Okay, so no, perfect. So for. any of these companies are set up or they try to be set up just like major companies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have your different departments and nine times out of 10, there's an accounting department, which they're the ones that know about payroll and handle payroll. Like nine times out of 10, you can't even get any answers from anybody else right. about your money when it's coming. Cause that's, that's why they set up these different departments to keep people in a bubble. It's like, you're protected. This is all you know. So this is all you have to worry about. Go do that. Mm-hmm. So it's so many times, cause even the guy that hired us, we went to talk to him about, Oh, well, I'm not sure about that. You know, that's, that's our accounting department. You have to mm-hmm. talk to so-and-so and so-and-so they're all protected. Yeah. So it's always, if it's about money, go to accounting <laughs> cause they are accountable. <laughs> always yeah because i had i had that situation happen like um at my other jobs we had like a situation where they took one of, they hired one of our employees on and we had like an outstanding bill of about 50k mm. and they did not want to pay our 50k mm. so we took legal action we have like a lawyer on on our team who goes out and like to, like a demand letter i think and they get mm-hmm. sent out to them about three times or so at the third try that's like out the door and they paid us back like 17k so I'm like, um, you still have like this other amount to pay. That so, so like these people, like, they, and they're a big company. I'm not gonna take like say their name or anything, but they're a big company here in Atlanta. So they have the money. Mm-hmm. It's just like we want to hold on to that 50k as long as possible, and then until you yeah. demand it, we'll give it to you. But those, are, but these are the things. I'm glad we brought it because these yes. are the things that are that make it a bit discouraging to mm-hmm. to be yes. doing a freelance, especially or be, a small artist. Yeah, like, if you know people and then you're like on the higher end, it's a lot easier because you've been in the game for so long, so you can t- go after people. But these smaller artists that we usually like teach workshops to, they're really afraid. They're just like, well, I don't know, I want to go against the accounting because what if like that hurts my career or that hurts something on my end? Mm-hmm. It's, I gotta tell you, people, is hurting your career if you do work and do not get paid because yeah. they are going to use that work they're going to yeah so don't let them use your work and not be compensated yeah mm-hmm. and that sets it up for like other creatives as well so like if you're willing to take the hit like even if it's like 50 dollars and you don't demand your 50 dollars, how about all the other creative people who are working in the same area same field it it decredits like all of their work yeah because it's like i can go to you and i can get it for free i don't have to go to aries and get anything produced because he charged just too high and he'll demand me the money (laughs) and that's exactly that's oh that's exactly what it is i can't remember who said it at that um at that panel discussion but it it hit so close to home that you cannot be successful surrounding yourself by a bunch of people who do 
the same thing that you do. Might be uh, Nikon or Tenzin. I feel I like think it was Tenzin, yeah. But but that does make that makes complete sense. I mean, where's that's too I much? Like it was Quan. I think it was Quan. Out of all the people, I feel like it was Quan or Kayla. Oh, I think it was Kayla because Kayla used to shoot music and then she completely broke off and went to start shooting. Like she's a very attractive young woman who yeah. shoots football and <laughs> basketball. Like yeah. what? Like I'm sorry, that's fire. Yeah. But it's like yeah, and that's why she doesn't have much competition. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big thing that we talked to Nikon about. It's just like how, because you guys end up being at the same events, mm-hmm. whatever, because you guys are the same field and same creatives. Um, I, mean, I think it makes it a lot harder to, to kind of like network and branch out. So it that does. step to branch out is going to be even harder, but it does make you different. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You um, just got to find your thing and like rock with it. And I, <laughs> okay, no, we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> well, um, I want to kind of turn the conversation into your personal life a little bit, since we did talk about work a lot. How do you manage your personal life and your time while wearing so many different hats in the industry, like all the different things that you do? Do you feel like, do you even feel like you have time for a personal life? No. No? So you my, don't have one? My personal life is crap. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say something inspirational, like, my, my personal life is work. I, <laughs> no, literally, my personal life is work. I just go from putting on one hat to another. Do you still feel, well, do you feel like you're still close with your friends and family? My, my immediate family, yes. Um, My closest friends have become the people that I work with the most. Yeah, I would assume so. Like, my black touring family and LVRN, like, Black, Diamond, Trizzy, DJ Tone, David Myers, our drummer, Slim, our keyboard player, Lil D, our lighting director, Chris Pat, mm-hmm. our tour manager, Amira, our assistant tour manager, like, um, oh, no. They're no, gonna, Rich, they're gonna, oh, they're our audio. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, don't leave anybody like, Rich, our audio engineer, and K. Chris, our other um, audio guy, JT, like, we spent three months on the if road. If you forgot any of them, we'll, we'll edit them in. But look, I'm, look I'm, I, I promise you, I'm going through everybody. Send an right audio now. message. Right. Like, <laughs> just naming off everybody. Like, get a crew list and just name everybody <laughs> off. But, like, no, nah, like, those have become my closest friends and my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you spend two, three months on a bus traveling the country, traveling the world with people, it doesn't matter what it was before. Because, mm-hmm. like, everybody, had, like, of course, I talked to my parents on the phone and stuff all the time. I go see him as often as I can. But in this industry, it's like you really do have a work family. Mm-hmm. Are like, you from here, Atlanta? I might as well be. Okay. I've been here since like second grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Originally so from like New York, Philadelphia, but I've been here. Is your is your fa- your family's based here as well? Uh, my mother and father are here. Like my grandparents are in North Carolina and in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which is also where like the rest of my family is. Here is just my immediate family. Okay. Gotcha. But I mean, so yeah, and yeah, friends and family so, just happen to become the people that I work with. Yeah. The most. So after the tour time, then. Do you guys like do like you guys go hang out after that or anything like that or still like you're working with your work family? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like because literally we're all basically like from either between here L.A. and there's like two of us in Miami, but yeah, we go to the club together a couple times a week. We have we still like in a group text, so we're <laughs> yeah. texting all day yeah. every day. Like yeah, yeah that's, that's my family. Cool. 
Yeah. I wouldn't trade none of them for nothing. Although I probably should. <laughs> Name names. Name nah, names. Nope. So fun. <laughs> so we talked about your work, etc. So what kind of um, influences you? Like, where do you draw your inspiration from? So this is something I don't really talk about, like at all. Very, very few people know this. But I have a mental condition called LLI or low latent inhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a process, I'm not going to say it's a disorder, but it's like it's a processing condition where my brain takes in things very differently, if that makes sense. Like how you interpret things? Yes. So literally like how I process things that I see and feel and come in in contact with mm-hmm. is very different than the average person. If Could you kind of give an example for everyone? It might be a little bit hard I'm to literally describe. Googling yeah, like you that's guys. one of the things, like that's one of the, like, I, I can't, it. it's literally like I see things as more than just what they are. So it's kind of like a like an overthinking type of thing. Overprocessing. Overprocessing. Okay. Yeah, because it's not necessarily it's like, like a very over... deep interpretation of things. Is that what you mean? Yes. It's like I break everything down. Oh, I definitely. To I its definitely like... know people like that, which is they, how we <clears> make <throat> conversations that. with them is actually really interesting because they they break it down so deep down to the core of that object or whatever it is we're talking about, even if it's some random subject, they'll be able to do it. Yeah, I do that with like everything, whether mm-hmm. it be like a pencil or mm-hmm. like a bug mm-hmm. like over yeah i like over process i guess maybe like over stimulation or whatever, but hold like, on I'm, do i have this i'm like googling <laughs> she's like oh shit i'm, I'm like googling and i'm myself. looking at this and i'm just like wow this sounds like me but <laughs> i'm gonna let you finish yeah no it's 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 hard to describe and it's hard to like explain but yeah just basically like i i see things differently mm-hmm. and process things differently so I feel like a lot of times when people see my videos and they're like, how do you edit? Like, how do you make things look like that? Mm-hmm. That's honestly how I see it. Mm-hmm. So like, I just like to capture energy and emotion. And I feel like photography and videography is like my superpower kind of. Cause it's like this moment in time will never happen again. Mm-hmm. So to be able to like freeze a moment, to be able to capture the emotion and like the spirit and the feeling of everything that was going on right there, that will never happen again. But now it lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but since you that's why I create. Yeah. So since you kind of look at everything with a deeper interpretation, do you feel like you ever run out air quote of creativity, or like in everything <laughs> you could see something in it? I see something in every. I see multiple things. Mm-hmm. Like in everything. That's the first like ever like in my history of working in, in creative like the industry, I've ever heard someone like be that open and say something like that. So that's really deep. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah really cool. it's like see okay, one thing so like I'll take a photo, look at the photo, say oh this would be cool as a cartoon, make it into a cartoon. Oh well now I can put it on shirts and it can be merch. Oh now I can do this. Oh but it can also be tour ad mats with all the dates. Oh but you can also use it as like. I repurpose everything. Yeah, that's really good. That's and I super feel like, resourceful. And I feel like people, especially creatives, should do that more. Like, I know so many mm-hmm. people who just go take photos and they post it on the gram and that's it. Yeah. 
put that shit on a shirt. Like, wear it. Mm-hmm. Like, get it printed up. Hang it in a house. Like, mm-hmm. make it tangible. Like, there's so much more you can do with so this. So that's interesting. So it's like you, you just see, like, a purpose in everything. And that's that's just interesting overall because I think a lot of people, when we ask that kind of question, especially when I ask other creatives or other business owners, they're always saying things like how we mentioned earlier about certain studios or, like, certain artists, et cetera, but, like, you really repurpose the things that you see, and that's really good. Yeah. Well, that makes, I guess, um, this kind of goes hand in hand then, because it says if a person has an IQ, probably one thirty and above, his low latent inhibition can manifest in creativity. While, but then it says while people with, whose IQs are lower than oh, average insane. can undergo psychosis, yes. My so, IQ was 147. Yeah, I was going to say, so you have to be at a certain level, otherwise it hinders you for sure. Wow, that's 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 very interesting. I'm a psych, uh, I, well, I got a degree in psych, and I... I heard about this before, but I just never like actually met somebody at that yeah. level until like I recently got into this field where I talked to a lot of creatives and I'm like, oh shit, like everything in class is now applying. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you actually used your degree. Using my fucking degree. Um, yeah, like, I feel like, I don't want to say because I'm going to cut this out yeah. too, but I feel like with low latent inhibition, like there's a certain level of like creative genius. That's what I was I just going to so, say. Yeah. So it's, like, like, it's I don't want to say that. I don't, yeah, it sounds, it sounds weird to say it about yourself. I know what you mean, but I honestly, like, what I'm reading here, it sounds like me, and, and as I'm reading it, I'm like, bitch, is this me? Like, (laughs) I've always felt a little different as well, and I can't explain it, but this part right here got, what what you just said, it says, sometimes, some scientists believe that latent inhibition is one way of explaining the correlation between genius and madness, which makes sense in a lot of creators that might have something like this, or anybody that has this, anybody that's a genius, though, you will see that there's always a borderline to being mad, always. Like, I, I don't even feel like there's any exception at that point because in order to be so extremely smart, there, there's a level of madness to that. So like, I know I'm partially crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm fully aware of that. Like, I know I have demons and weird stuff. Yeah. Like, I know that. But I also know if I focus on creation and creativity, I can take that other places. Yeah, so you're pretty much in good control. That's really good. It's because of, it's because yeah. of what you're focusing yeah. on. If yeah. you weren't Just focused on that, then there's no. Yeah, yeah then you'd have okay. to have a focus. Here's the hold on. Okay, I'll show y'all the picture that Portia wanted me to show everybody. That, like, oh, that was up. That some of the scary that pictures. The panel, yeah. And he was like, he he said something. I can't remember the exact moment when it happened. Yeah. I think she showed him something. Yeah, I was like, no, take <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> Cause it's like I really don't know how to explain it. Can you also tell us really quick, like how did you find out? Like yeah, how did you find out that you had this? Um, LLI. LLI. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going crazy. And then you, what, what were the I steps to that diagnosed. you took? I went to therapy. Okay. And actually got diagnosed. Um, I'm clapping for therapy because, because it's, it's not enough. Like people don't say it enough. Yeah. I am in therapy. Yeah. I've therapy too. I've been in the like. <laughs> They said medium to severe depression for the last two and a half years. I was in an accident that almost took my life here in Atlanta. So, like, even in in that same week, I was engaged for a year in a relationship for six. In that same week, um, me and my fiance split up, and I lost my job because I was in a wheelchair for two and a half months and couldn't walk and shit on set anymore. So it's like, and to have LLI and to be processing, over-processing, everything a lot of times you feel like you don't fit
a lot of times I'm in situations and I don't feel like I belong there. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so completely like different or isolated from everybody else. Do you feel like it's, do you feel ever feel like dis like dissociated with reality? Do you ever feel like yeah, so you just feel like even though you're there, you're not actually there. All the time. So is that a symptom of that lie as well? Probably. Okay. It's, and, it's, and it's like half of it probably is not real. Yeah. Which I'm aware of because I'm over processing mm-hmm. shit. So most of it is, uh, not most, a lot of it is in my head because most of it is very real because once again, I over process things and I'm pretty smart. So I know what like certain shit you can see be like, oh no, that, yeah. But like other stuff is like, hmm. So what do you do if, as far as um like, I guess how does how does LLI affect your work? Do you feel like sometimes you can't work because of it? Because I know it it can help your work for sure, but does it also hurt your work? Instead of doing something stupid, I go capture the emotion. Like how does this feeling translate physically and visually? Yeah. And that may be weird. I don't know. But it keeps me from doing stupid stuff. Yeah. A lot of times. And how long have you known that you've had LLI now? Like, how long have you been coping, I guess, knowing that? Because I know it's a little bit different when, for example, you're dealing with something, you, there's no name for it, you don't know what it is, but now that you know, and it doesn't make you feel as crazy or it doesn't make you feel, like, as out of control as before, now that you know that you have it, is it a little bit easier for you and is it a little bit easier to manage? I would just say now I have a better understanding. So now sometimes when I'm up at three, four o'clock in the morning, I feel like I'm about to lose my mind. I'm like, wait, maybe like you're just over-processing. Yeah. Maybe you're just thinking a little too much about things that you maybe shouldn't be concerned about right now. Mm-hmm. Open your computer, design some shit. Mm-hmm. Like design some merch, design mm-hmm. an ad mat, make a flyer. I think that's so Do good something. because I think maybe a lot of creatives are going through something like that and they just don't know how to channel that energy or like channel like, that inner like quote unquote demon here and so for you to do that i think that helps a lot of people understand like shit i'm going through it so this is how i deal with it so this is how you can deal with it as well yeah and i mean it took a long time for me to get there because i actually had to go to therapy and figure out not what was wrong with me Mm -hmm. but what i was dealing with right because you can't deal with something if you don't even know what you're dealing with Right. right and I mean, a lot of times that's scary. Even now, like I said, I'm in therapy, and half the time I don't go. Why is that? Why right. don't you go? Just because it's like overprocess. I know I'm upset and unhappy with certain things. Mm-hmm. So when I'm busy, I'm not necessarily focusing on them because mm-hmm. I'm busy. Yeah, I'm working right. on stuff. Mm-hmm. For me to go to therapy and sit down one on one with this person and purposely dredge it up and talk about it yeah i don't want to do that yeah Yeah. i don't want to feel like that i was having a good day today (laughs) you want me to come here and talk about all the stuff that's pissing me off Mm -hmm. and when i leave here i'm gonna be crying and mad and i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to purposely put myself through that like like the day's not gonna stop i still got stuff i gotta do I got deadlines on stuff that needs me to, like, I have things I need to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to purposely stop myself to put myself in a bad emotional space. Mm-hmm. I was going to say but that you like, must do that on days where you know you don't have a whole lot on your plate. Like, because yeah. you have to spend, like, the rest of the day kind of still processing it. it. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, for sure. <laughs> it doesn't just go away. Like, it doesn't. It's, it's there all the time. And people, um, all the time. People think of that in terms of therapy, like the people that I've talked to, and we had a therapist come in on the podcast and everything. Um, just people think like after that one trip, it's solved, and that's mm-hmm. not the case. If it's, um, I'm not even going to say if it's severe. It's just if you have it, it's going to be with you for a very long time, and you have to be able to adjust and cope with it. Etc. And I'm glad you mentioned about the therapy thing in terms of like you just sometimes don't go because you one you have a lot of things to do, two you have a lot of just feelings about it and you just don't want to go sit and pour it out. Yeah, yeah. I feel like pouring all this out right now. And how does um if you don't mind me asking, how does your uh, therapy session look like? So when you go in, is it literally just sit like the the whole chair thing where you're sitting back and pouring all your feelings? Mm Interesting. Yep. It's literally everything you see in the movies. Yeah. The therapist <laughs> that we had come on, she she's a little bit more um she's millennial, so she kinda goes after like doing things. So like um not only workshops but also doing like worksheets or sitting through and doing things with you. Uh so yeah, I don't know if that's for me either. That's not <laughs> the face you just made. Sounds like schoolwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't wanna do that either. Yeah, but I, I just thought it was interesting because, I mean, I've never gone, so, like, for people who are, like, skeptical of going, like, I just wanted to know how that was like. But you know what, though? I well, think it definitely helps. It just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, the fact that she took the initiative to even go to therapy, oh, yeah. I feel like that, this type of stuff that um, Tamika, that's a therapist, right? That's her. Yeah, Tamika came on and talked about it. Um, I think the thing with Tamika is, is, like, she probably does those things, and I think that works well for people that really kind of force themselves to go to therapy and don't want to talk about stuff. So it's easier to write it down on a worksheet yeah. or, or make those steps. But like my opinion, like, or my experience, like I went to therapy because I want to be there. And that was my first, I mean, my angel only been a couple of times and you're making me feel guilty. Like I should be making an appointment <laughs> and going back. Cause I do literally the same exact thing where I know if I have so much stuff to do, I'm going to, I'm going to skip that appointment. I'm going to cancel mm-hmm. it. And I'm going to re, you know, just do it a different day because yeah. it, it does take a lot out of you. It's emotionally physically draining like i think it's mostly for people though and, and it might be true for you people that have suppressed a lot and because because the thing is, is like when you suppress something what i've started learning mm-hmm. in the past few weeks is like when that comes out of you it's even more painful than when it happened initially because you yeah. suppressed it for so long and then you realize how it's affected everything in your life yep. and so that's like the worst part about it and that's why bringing it out for some people, it might not be so hard, but it depends on what it is that got that got suppressed, for how long it was suppressed, how it affected you. And once you make those connections in your head and you realize, like, damn, if I had just, you know, confronted this 10 years ago, what happened, maybe I wouldn't have done X, Y, Z, or I wouldn't be this way. And see, my thing, my biggest thing is I confront things, like, immediately. But I'll confront things, and then people will handle it the way they feel they need to handle it Mm -hmm. and then it's like okay the time passes no matter how long it is come back around and now you just act like nothing happened like oh we're cool oh hey Mm -mm. like what you don't remember our last encounter yeah like definitely people need to be held yeah it's like and that's my whole thing is like uh, there's no apology there's no i was wrong it's just oh let's just move forward like nothing happened and while they can do that mr Overprocessor is literally anytime i see you i'm reliving yeah what happened yeah like literally re like i can see it reliving it and it's just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't I move the same way you do, so I don't understand when people do that either and they pretend like something didn't happen. And and for me, it's just, 
I just can't. I can't. I cannot. I can't even like move forward with you until we figure this part out. And that's just that's how I am. And I think a lot of people don't like to do that because a lot of people just don't like to be held accountable or exactly. be responsible for what they, they don't do like or to say. realize what they did. Because yeah. and I understand you didn't. You may not have done it maliciously. Yeah. You may not have done it with any ill intent. Especially in the industry, yeah. When you say it's not, it might have not been malicious. It might have just been this person end, yeah. needed this promotion. This person yeah. needed this position. And it's and, like, but at the end of the day, you know what the outcome was. Right. Granted, what the intent that you did it with, you know what the outcome was, yeah. and you still have to take accountability. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like to feel like people don't like having to have to apologize because that means that they did something that they have to apologize exactly. for. Mm-hmm. Much rather just smile in your face and act like it didn't happen. Just and move just on. Move on. Like, yeah. no, move. On. I'm about to move my foot up your ass. <laughs> Sorry. Right. No, it's okay. No, you're good. But like, yeah. Um, talking about your LLH a little bit further, how was your support system in that? And how did your family respond to that? Um, my family is my greatest support system. Um, like I said, I didn't want to go. I still don't like to go to therapy. My mother found my therapist. Mm-hmm. She found a couple different ones, set up my appointments, asked me if it was okay, if I could go this time, this day, to meet with this person, whatever. And she was really the one behind me because she said she wanted to make sure that her son was healthy. That's awesome. So, like, that was, like I said, out here, it's just me and my mom, my dad. My dad traveled a lot for work growing up. So it was like me and my mom, like, always. Like, my dad is still my guy too, but it's just like, it always been me and my mom. That's great. And outside of the, like, I guess the mental support, how did you support yourself while you were growing as a creative? Working. Working in the film industry. Oh, you, so you didn't have a job outside of the film industry. You just mm-hmm. you just made sure to work in there, and you were able to pay mm-hmm. all your bills and all that. Because mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people, like for the PAs, for example, like that's kind of what I'm doing. And you know how it is, like where it's freelance. So if you don't have more than one show going, then mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to pay bills. You have to have more than one show because mm-hmm. production is not every single day. So with you, did you have multiple? I guess like multiple forms of income through different shows or multiple shows. Gotcha. And see, I like I said, I started peeing when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. By the time I was seventeen, I was an AD. I was assistant director. Okay. And producing, so yeah. I had, thank the Lord, been able to navigate myself above the line. And for those of you who don't know what that means, in production, above the line is executive producer, producer, director, director of photography production coordinator, everybody below the line are the PAs, the cameras, ACs, gaffers, lighting, everything like that. Um, so luckily I had been blessed to be able to move myself above the line, which at that point, you know, checks are different. Opportunities are different. Sure. So luckily it was like, oh, we already know. Can you also come work on this? And oh, we need you to also come work. Like that's when you get, once again, your network. You go from networking with a bunch of PAs to now networking with the other directors and executive producers and showrunners. So the opportunity becomes different, <laughs> luckily. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was very, very blessed um, to be able to do that. And... 
What's up, y'all? Tammy here. How did you guys enjoy today's episode? Was it good, bad? Let us know. Let's talk at thecreativefolks.org is where you can email us to let us know about your opinions of today's show. Um, we would really appreciate it if you had any guests. You can send them on over. We would love to interview them, talk about their creative journey, either as an art student, a creative entrepreneur, or anything else in between. See you in the next episode. Let's hustle. <laughs>